Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the fanatical facilitator himself, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Haven't you ever just thought, I wish there was one place to go for all the truth about trumpet? Well, if you have, your dreams have come true because the World Trumpet Federation is here just for you. Just proceed on over to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com and avoid extensive, unfulfilling internet searches that leave you with more questions than answers. Home to the Open Bell Podcast and so much more, the WTF is here to help you, your students, and anyone else who deserves to know the truth about the trumpet. As always, feel free to email us at theopenbell at gmail.com to share your thoughts, reflections, or if you need any help with something. We enjoy hearing from you, and hey, you may just end up on the podcast. And by Dylan Music. What if there were a magical place where you could find great gear, a great price, and you were helped every step of the way by a knowledgeable trumpet-playing staff who understands everything you are dealing with because they too have walked your path with trumpet in hand? Well, there is such a place, and it's called Dylan Music. Since 1992, Steve Dillon has been in business to serve performers, teachers, students, and anyone else who loves having the right instrument and accessories for the gig. His store is in Woodbridge, New Jersey, and it is a destination for musicians along the eastern seaboard. If you haven't been, make it a point. But if you can't, you have two options that will work really well. First, you could call 732-634-3399 and introduce yourself to Jim McCombs and tell him that the Open Bell Boys sent you. And, while you're at it, say hello to the one and only Perry Sutton. Of course, you can always just go to www.dillonmusic.com and use the promo code OPENBELL5 to get 5% off all your accessories. Either way, you'd actually be doing it right. Dylan Music. Musicians helping musicians since 1992. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments. Warming up a couple things, and no offense, we use these segments to find, file, and finagle facts that we believe are fruitful and fulfilling for furtive trumpeters from near and far. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week, Warming Up is brought to you by Chop Saver, that perfect all-natural lip treatment created by the one and only Dan Gosling. Personally, I'm grateful for Dan and his magical formula, but I have questions. Questions? I have questions like, how many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How how many seas must a white dove (laughs) sail before she sleeps in the sand? And yes... And how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Oh, and speaking of the windy season, you need Chop Saver. Oh, wow. Man. Wow. I thought you were going to go speaking of blowing. <laughs> no. Don't forget to use that promo code. Promo Bell. code. To get 15% off your order, go to www.chopsaver.com today. And now a man whose E-flat trumpet on Clark II sounds just like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Brian? I love E-flat Clark in the morning. I love the smell of E-flat in the morning. <laughs> it smells, smells like something. Smells something. 
<laughs> and we're, and we're all out. That was a dark day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> you guys loved it. Isn't it, it was... funny? It's just perspective, right? Because Joey and I think that was the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> that, was, that was a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us have been together. That's a lot. Like that's, a, a, that's a statement. That's, that's a statement. <laughs> Joey's cramping up after the 50 mile ride. That was pretty good. That was pretty well, good too. I was too. told it was a 15 mile <laughs> ride. <laughs> to be fair to me. To be fair. Oh, oh, brutal. Anyway. All right. So I got to premiere a cornet piece Woo! on Sunday. Yay. Yeah. How'd that it was go? A, it was a hoot. It went well. Uh, people can actually listen to it. It's up, up on YouTube and the, the Rowan channel, and they can go and go and listen. And uh, yeah, it was who, it was who, great. Who wrote that piece? Uh, just <laughs> nobody in particular. Some, no name. <laughs> some hack. Some hack wagger little... from Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm poser. a hack wagger. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I've said this many times. I put the poser in composer. Okay. There it is. <laughs> yeah. No, Bill. Bill but, wrote this piece. It was great. Yeah. And you did. Send, you sounded. Fantastic. Well, where where is it on really the program good. there? So if we go to that YouTube channel, it's probably I think it's a big long concert. Four, four and five in. It's a fifth it's, tune. It's in. right after the tuba solo. Right. So scroll. <laughs> so scroll right after you, you fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> he played the tuba guy played really well. He did he the first great. move at Greg's. And yeah. Sarah was like, that I could have done without that. Yeah, Sarah well, was not <laughs> she was not into the tuba no, solo it's like, at all. No matter how good it is. Yeah. Right. It's still a tuba still, solo. Yeah. Still a tuba solo. <laughs> yeah. He played great. Bill, he did play he, great. He played he was a really great player. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's, I guess it's fifth in mm-hmm. on the program. So I had to do some gymnastics before getting to Bill's beautiful piece. Yeah. Yeah. You uh yeah, the thing right before well, the thing before the tuba solo was it was a heavy lift. Right? Yeah, the march. Yeah. 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 Battle Abbey. Just, it's a contest yeah. march. Yeah. As, Vin, as Vince would say, my rest light came on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Yes, In it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a lot of flying. Yeah, those are serious. Yeah, it was. But no, was you good. guys, you, you did a great job with it. And, and I'm grateful that you played it. And, and of course, cool to think about Neil and, of course, written, written for you, but in memory of Neil Jowett. Yeah. And if you guys don't know Neil, Neil Jowett, if anybody doesn't know Neil Jowett, you go ahead and look him up. Just a great great human being just passed away well it's a little while now isn't it yeah so i I need to reach out to our friend ian call ross because ian was interested in getting the piece so and make sure if there's any edits or anything that you guys have and i'll 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 get the score kind of cleaned up or whatever and i'll many many edits of course you know it's not a not a clean score when you send it to us No, it's great. And and yeah, super happy to be able to be able to do it. And yeah, Sarah came to the show and Bill was watching online and I did. I watched live I think my mo- right. my mother wrote you a note right after She right? did. I got that was the best thing. <laughs> got an email from Brian's mom. That's very awesome. proud, very proud yeah, Very mother. proud. Yeah. Well she, you know, complimented the piece at the end and she said, And I think Brian played beautifully too. So I did <laughs> I got back to her about that. Right. So, so if you're going, if you're going to the Atlantic Brass Band, "Hymn of the Highlands" is the name of the concert. Yep, right. That's concert, right. Right. Yep, so you yep. go, you go about 37 minutes into the concert if you want to go just for Brian's playing. Right. And watch yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> sure. Watch the whole thing. But watch if you want it. to see this piece, starts right at, almost exactly at 37 minutes into the show. Beautiful. And I will say too, this is the second uh, mom, not counting Joey's mom email. Right. It's usually not about playing. How right. Are you not <laughs> counting <laughs> my mom. Well, I'm saying. But I'm saying Kevin McKee's mom, uh, mom emailed me too. 
Right. Because I put out a recording of his song for a friend and I got an email. I was like, wow, that that's how you know that it was successful. You're, you're doing a good job when the moms are in touch. The moms yeah. are in touch. Thank you. Yeah. Reached a different level. Exactly. That's, that's good work. That's All right, good Joey, work. what do you have for us? Well, speaking of Kevin McKee, just this weekend while yeah. you guys were doing that, we actually did a very rare faculty chamber music concert here at IU. Oh, yeah. So Jason Bergman, our new trumpet teacher, started here last year with us. said, let's do something. Like, they do this chamber music thing. Would you guys be interested? So we did. And again, we get to the pronunciation problem here. We all grew up saying BAME. But it's spelled B O H M E, so it's really like Bama, you know, right? Whatever Burma, that is. Yeah. Burma, that's, yeah, yeah. That brass sextet, that's a great piece of music. Great piece. Great. So we I could point you that. toward a great recording of that. Could you? I can. <laughs> All the movements and everything. That's amazing. So we did that, and then we also did a Kevin McKee wrote a, a dectet, a brass dectet, hmm. uh, that I believe Jason was part of the. the uh, premiere of when he was at BYU because I think it was commissioned by the BYU group out there. Nice. So he brought that in and so we uh, ended the concert with that. He also did uh, Lauren Bernofsky's trio, that's for uh, trumpet horn and uh, trombone with the other two new brass faculty members, Brittany Lash on trombone and Denise Tryon on horn. They opened the program with that and then our trombone faculty did some trombone trios that were just ridiculously good. I was actually a little mad at how good they sounded. So <laughs> nice. like, oh my gosh, that's just gorgeous. That's like cheating. It's so good. <laughs> and then we played those the two big pieces on the end. And, you know, I work with these people. I teach at a really good music school and I work with all these, you know, terrific people. But we got into the first rehearsal of this and started playing and I went, oh my God. Oh my gosh, these people can play. Everybody can play. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> right. And we, we actually to hold the deck tet together because we only did that on, on basically one rehearsal. So wow. we had one of one of our new fac one of our new faculty members come in and just conduct for us. And he came into the rehearsal and was like, Okay, so let's just run this down. Um Okay. You guys need to do anything else? What do you say? You know, wait, like, wait, oh, why am I here? That's yeah. pretty much how that's gonna go. Yeah. But now, uh, that was did so you point at him and yell do. wagger when he came in? No, he, yes. he's is a wagger. He's a conductor. Oh. He's not pretending to be something else. <laughs> <laughs> like a <laughs> trumpet teacher, trumpet player, administrator, composer. No. He's He's a wagger. He's, he's an actually actual a wagger, wagger, and he knows yeah. it. Yeah, he, he's sort of you know doing it on purpose, you know. But it, I, <laughs> we don't do that enough here. And I think what happens: every new faculty member always asks the same thing when they get here. Hey, so do we play together? It's like some good faculty members. And we all say the same thing. Yeah, it's a great idea. And then, well, schedules <laughs> and hey, what are you and can we? We got to do this. So yeah. uh, like a few of us kind of pull ourselves aside and. Yeah, that was really fun, and that was pretty good. And, and a lot of the students were there. And that's the other part of this. We're at a school. We're teachers. Right. And then our students can see this is some, something that we do. Yeah. And then hear it at a hopefully high level. Yeah. So it was great. It was really, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, thanks to Jason for putting it together. And really fun to get playing with my colleagues and actually, mm -hmm. you know, put on put on a show there, which was very cool. Who, I, I, I gotta, I gotta know who played the cornet on the on the Burma. Uh, well, you're not gonna be happy with this. Oh, because uh -oh. essentially, the, for those who don't know the piece, it's a brass quintet with a solo cornet part. Yes, yes. Is. that's how it's written. So I was playing the second part in the quintet. Jason was playing the first part in the quintet. So John Rommel was playing the solo part, which he played on B flat trumpet. Uh, nope, orchestral guy. <laughs> nope. Orchestral weenie. 
I can point he, he you to it. He didn't play it on C. Yeah, I can, I can point you toward a great recording of that on with Cornet songs. I'll tell you, he, he, I, I, I want to be fair to John. He sounded pretty, uh, oh, pr- pretty um, good. Pretty he would good. make a garden hose sound good. <laughs> he, sounded, Rommel would. he sounded pretty good. That's good. Very yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so Bill, what do you got for us this evening? Well, Brian kind of took my warming up because, you know, I was going to come at this from the perspective of I had a piece premiered this weekend. Nice. Who, 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 you who did. Would play who would play that? Yeah, by the Atlantic Brass Band. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, all right, those, The Jersey Weekend Bands? Jersey, Jersey Cats, yeah. <laughs> weekend Warrior Brass Band. Yeah. That's right. That's what we are. <laughs> well, you're also Thursday Night Warriors. <laughs> Thursday Night, <laughs> Sunday Night. Long weekend warriors. 48 weeks a year. 48, you know, other than that, it's just a throw together thing. Right. But it was cool to hear that. And, and you know, just put it out there because, you know, Brian is here. He's right in front of me. He just premiered the piece. And I just wanted to say, man, that guy sounds great on your flugelhorn. <laughs> oh, that. dude. He's amazing, right? He's incredible. Uh, Greg. <laughs> Greg is killing Greg on your flugelhorn. Awesome. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, and it was on my mouthpiece until recently. Oh no way! And he bought it. Wait, he, he doesn't a, have a flugelhorn? No. Well, no, he does have a flugelhorn, which I'm playing every morning. Right. In the studio. Wait, hold on a second. He has well, the take, take, take me through what's going on here. He has he has the Dylan's flugelhorn. Okay. And you and you have the Yamaha, the YFH the Yamaha, Yeah. The so he has essentially a good doubling horn. Yeah. Yes. And so, and you, so told, I, you told him no. I you said you can't use flugel. this. You have to use my flugel horn. Now, do you want a, an actual good flugel? Do you need me to come out there? <laughs> <laughs> what chair do you want in that band, Joey? You want, you want right. the E flat? You want the SOP chair? Or do you want the he flugel wants chair? He the SOP chair. Is there, there's no bass trumpet in there that could be playing? No. Well, that's right fun. out. <laughs> no trumpet how, at all. Wait, how, how, low, how low are the alto parts? Like, I might really be. I don't you can have play one the of tenor, those. You can play the tenor horn parts. Alto no horn or tenor horn? Tenor horn. Yeah. You Where can is do a that. Test. A tenor, tenor horn. What, that take a what mouthpiece do those take? The same one you play on your bass trumpet. They take they no, take trombone, no, it's a, it's, no, it's, no, it's a, it's a smaller one. It's yeah. like a cross between a three C and a French horn mouthpiece. Well, I might <laughs> it's need a little a, bit bigger. I've than never that. really played those, so I, I might need to. You might need one of those. I might need one of those. Yeah. There you go. It's in E flat Put in the morning routine. In E flat. Well, I play yep. a low E flat horn every day. Yeah, no problem. I just think it's great the way the brass band has hijacked us yet again. I'm yeah, so happy. Guys. Yeah. Right? Oh. There it is. So All right, boys. Now, so now that you've done that, hold on. Before what? we move on, what? now that you've yeah. done this concert, so when does the, the contesting start with you people? <laughs> oh, well, we have a bunch of Christmas stuff to get ready for. That's and, fun. That's yeah, still but, two months away from now. But during during that time, we'll be doing the, the contesting pieces. Okay. Yeah. And then we that all gets going. Where Where is that going to be this year? Is that same place. Back in Huntsville, Huntsville Alabama. Yep. Oh, Another 14-hour drive. i got to get down there. <laughs> Do you have the dates for this year? When is that? Of course I have the dates for this year. Beginning of April. Let him get his book out. we got to make a trip. He's going to get his book out. Let's see. Yeah, uh, 5th and 6th. April 5th April and 6th. 5th, April 5th, Huntsville, 6th. Alabama is the place to be. Yep. For Joey wants to go because of the tacos. <laughs> well, if, if they have there. anything down there, they have German food. If you remember, yes, we yes, talked about that's this. That's right. We did talk about this. There's a uh, yeah. That's a hey. interesting setup in Huntsville. German. Let's call it a stronghold. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. All right, boys. It's game time. Oh no! Oh no! This is 
it was hard to come up with a name for this. Oh, I think wait, my new game, new game, new game. Oh, new game. That means I have it's some essentially. Work to do. I mean, I just did some work. It's it's an educate. <laughs> yeah, and you did great work on that, that bumper. That was an awesome uh, bumper. You're, well, we haven't heard it yet because we haven't announced what the game is. I think I'm going to call it. Question air is overrated. Question, you see what long. I did? It does seem long. I'm not sure you can, you know, still make. We can call it whatever you want. Why don't you come up with a bumper and then tell me what we'll call the game? It's essentially multiple choice. Okay. All right. Question air is overrated. Question air is overrated. So here's what happened. I, you know, my extensive internet research led me to a site called Gig Salad. Um, okay, I like I like it when you use the term research in this capacity. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, and I thought this must be totally reputable, this site. So, and then I thought I wanted to test your knowledge against what I consider to be the expertise of the folks at Gig Salad. Um, so when okay. it comes to what 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 is what is gig salad? Do you get gig salad dot com? It's it's where you go to to figure out how to hire musicians. Oh, it's not a salad. No, no, no. Gig salad. It's a website. Gig. Salad. Anyway, I want to test your expertise against their expertise. So <laughs> okay. multiple this choice. I'm, this I'm ready for. <laughs> multiple choice. Okay. All right. Give you guys a shot, All right. and then I will tell you what really, what's really happening because here. you did research. <laughs> I did the research. You I have did, it right you, in front of me. You did research. You're right. essentially then, a scientist. I I could be at a Carnegie research <laughs> he is a do- one he is with a this kind of Yeah, you guys have doctorates. You've you done could research. trust me. I'm a doctor. Yeah, you can yeah. trust us. All right. That's why I don't trust either of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number one. Question number one. I was really hoping you'd do that. <laughs> How much does it cost to hire a professional trumpet player? Oh, this, no. uh, this site oh, is set no. up. I, it's got on. like... I, I need, I need, <laughs> I'm going to need more, more uh, information. It's than sort just... of like these are the frequently asked questions on the website, and then they provide answers. So it is multiple choice. <laughs> How much awesome. does it cost to hire a professional trumpet player? A, 50 to $100 an hour. B, 100 to $200 an hour. C, 200 to $300 per hour. D, 300 to $400 per hour. Okay. Wow. I would work outside school more if that was. And and according to the folks at Gig Salad, one of those is the answer. All right, run those down. Give me the give those parameters one more time. A fifty to hundred bucks an hour. B a hundred to two hundred bucks an hour. C two hundred to three hundred quid an hour. No bucks. D three hundred to four hundred dollars per hour. Hour. U.S. America per, per hour. Per hour. All right. Gig Salad is saying this. Gig Salad. Who yeah. I now, I think, and if you go, you'll realize they're the, they're they the got resource. it together. Yeah. I was well, going to say 3550 plus beer, but it's got to be <laughs> one, one to 200, right? So you're I, saying B, bet, one to 200. I, Brian? No, I I bet they're off by a, a factor of four. I bet it, I bet it's the, um, I bet it's C. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brian wins the, no. the point. Now, here's their definition, their explanation. On average, a professional trumpet player costs $200 to $300 for an hour. The exact price will vary depending on your location, how long you need them to perform, and their overall experience. Highly skilled trumpet players with a large repertoire of songs covering a variety of genre may charge more. No. Okay. There's so many <laughs> things wrong with that. 
I don't this? even know where to start. Uh, this is why I'm sharing it with you. I knew you would enjoy it. No, enjoy. I'm angry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I knew Brian and I would enjoy it. <laughs> yes, we knew you were going to get angry. <laughs> a wide repertoire of songs? Yes, that's what, what it says. What are they being hired for? Which makes Singing. sense. What's yeah, that? it makes sense because it, the more songs you know, the more money you make. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. I'm infuriated. Question, question number two. Question uh, that's number two. 200 points to Brian. Actually, 200 to 300 points to Brian. <laughs> Nice. I'll take it. So now he's a professional is what you're saying. Yes, he's a professional. He's just been paid. Question two. Can a trumpet player perform with other musicians? <laughs> yes or no? This is a yes or no question. Okay, that's that's easy. Yes. Okay, yes, Brian. They, they said yes. They got this one right. Okay. Yeah. Their explanation is trumpet players will often perform with other musicians and ensembles such as jazz bands orchestras and rock bands they also are a very important part of brass bands and marching bands yes make sure to discuss your specific a, needs and preferences prior to booking site no are you sure yes prior to booking to ensure they can meet your requirements nice no it seems very american to me make sure they bring their cornet you know do a brass band of course, it could be a New Orleans style, right? Yeah, I guess. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. All right. Well, anyway, you both get points. Okay. One point each. Brian is winning Eight. 200 to 301 <laughs> to one. <laughs> Question three. How Question long does... number three. <laughs> how long does a typical trumpet performance last? Oh, no. <laughs> Multiple, <laughs> Multiple choice. I'm already mad. <laughs> this is so good. Multiple choice. A, up to two hours. B, three to four hours c four to five hours d unlimited hours trumpet performance well if you're thinking of this in the context of a gig like a corporate event or party thing that's a three to four hour thing that's what yeah, normally, that's, that's what gigs do mm -hmm. but concerts are normally closer to like two hours like if you're going to mm -hmm. a, a concert that's normally closer to two but i'm going to go mm -hmm. with the three to four hours yeah they're talking about gigs they're not talking about concerts it's gig okay. salad so, yeah. so i'm going to go so you both four hours. You both say B. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The answer is A, and, and I'll give you the gig salad explanation, which I think is <laughs> We both got this wrong. Outstanding. You both missed it. <laughs> oh wow. The length of a trumpet performance will often vary depending on the type of event and the client's specific requirements. A typical performance can last anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. For longer performances, most musicians will need to take a break every 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Who are these people? Gig Salad. Awesome. I will be going to this website tonight and I will be sending them lots of email questions. <laughs> you, oh. <laughs> oh no. I want to know oh, where no. they get their information. They this seem very sure of themselves. Well, but none of that makes any sense. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Question number four. Question number four. Can I request songs from a professional trumpet player? A? Can I? Can I? <laughs> yes. Should I? No. <laughs> A, yes. B, no. Will C, will it matter? No, that's it. These are two choices. I'm going to go with can I? Yes, you can. Okay. Doesn't mean they're going to play them. They're going to say, they definitely going to say yes. Okay. Yeah. And and they back this answer up by saying, most professional trumpet players are willing to take requests for specific songs or arrangements if given enough notice. They need to have adequate time to learn the music and perfect their performance. For more complex songs, there may be an additional charge for the request. 
Yeah. So then you're up to that three to four hundred bucks. An That's hour. why there's a little wiggle room. Yeah, in there. there you go. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Make, the, make the big bucks. Yeah. All right. Oh question five. Question number five. I thought of Joey when I read this one. Oh, I'm not happy with that at all. It's going to be good. <laughs> I thought of my week next week, too. How far will trumpet players travel for performances? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Around a, the world. A, they will not travel. B, short distances of less than two hours. C, a day's drive. D, unlimited distances. D, unlimited well, it, it depends on the money. If somebody pays me enough money, I'll go anywhere. It's like for two to three hundred dollars an hour. But no, if somebody was like, "Hey, listen, <laughs> for sure, Michael, I need you to come to Australia for this gig, but it's going to pay a million dollars." Well, I'm yeah. going to Australia. Of course, You're live in Australia for the rest of yeah, your life. Whatever. Well, I'm also happy to, to go to yeah, Australia. To go there, yeah. But for example, like uh, uh, next month, actually once next month in November, once in December, I'm going to be in Utah. Now, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not dying to go to Utah. I mean, nothing, no problem with Utah, but the Utah <laughs> Symphony is bringing me out in, to play in uh, November to play a Pops concert. And then ding. the Boston Brass is doing their Kenton Christmas thing, and they're going to be at BYU in December. Da ding, ding. Uh, ding. I didn't just realize what I'm going to get you for Christmas. What's up? I'm going to get you one of those camper stickers of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to put a little trumpet in every state where you play lead with some orchestra. Uh, oh, just the orchestra wow. ones? That's well, no, I mean, we can do I've whatever. Been in, I've, right? been in, I've been in all the lower 48. I've been more than once. Wow. So I still have, to this day, I still have not wow. been uh, in Alaska or Hawaii. Though. Well, we can Oddly fix enough. that. Don't we to have play listeners or up there, don't we? Or at all. Ever, just for any reason. We have listeners up there. Yeah. Remember we did the whole, we had that whole Iditarod uh, yeah. event? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So your answer, D, unlimited distances. Yes. Yeah. All right. The gig salad folks say that each musician sets their own travel preferences because trumpet players often only need their instrument to perform. They can usually travel further distances. You mean farther? I'm reading further. what's on the website. So they need they not <laughs> only need information, they need an editor. Yes. yes if you find yes. a trumpet player outside of your local area, inquire about their availability and willingness to travel. However, keep in mind they may charge additional travel fees or ask you to cover these costs. Now, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Right. So you valid. Yes, but... I think it validates the site. But farther. That's well, distance. The word far is in the word. They They said further, but... No. They need to do mean. further research. And plus, <laughs> we only need the one instrument to perform. I don't. I can't. Well, remember the last Joey time. doesn't. Joey needs, needs five. <laughs> I need Which, five just to do an inauguration at right. college. Right. <laughs> 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 oh goodness. Okay. Yeah, we're down to one airline we can fly because of how many horns we take. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to really know. That, unless you're flying direct and you know what you're getting on. Yeah. All right. Question six. Last question. One. Number six. For what type of events should I hire a trumpet player? All events. I was going to say that's easy. <laughs> all of them. All I won't even events. read the multiple choice. <laughs> I think of the the British definition of this, right? The hatchings, matchings, and dispatchings, right? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, births, weddings, and funerals. 
Hatchings or hatchings, matchings, and dispatchings. Dispatchings. Oh my god, that's that's horrendous! (laughs) Isn't it great? Oh my god, how have I never heard that? Yeah, I don't know how you've never heard that. Anyway, their answer: trumpet players can be hired for a wide range of events, from intimate gatherings to large-scale concerts. Trumpet music can add a unique soundtrack to weddings, corporate events, cocktail parties, graduations, and religious celebrations. Additionally, trumpet players are often booked to play taps at military funerals, memorial services. And flag ceremonies. And that is true. For all of them. That is true. Yeah. It's all true. If if you have a ceremony, you should hire a trumpet player and pay that trumpet player at least three to four hundred dollars. At least three to four hundred dollars an hour. Plus travel. Yes. If it's further. (laughs) And lodging. Depending how further you have to go. (laughs) Farther. (laughs) And all of these things will help you farther your career. No, no. (laughs) That's I'm going to end yours. That's what's going to happen. Now this is going to go. All right, boys. Well done on whatever we just called that. Gig salad. We could just call it, do you want to call it gig salad? Just call call it it gig gig salad. salad. Yeah. That's going to be great. It's going to have to write that down. I mean, we could call it gigsalad.com, but you can call it whatever you want. Sort of bumper to your right for that. Oh, I think the bumper he wrote for that was I thought, amazing. I, th- I thought I did amazing <laughs> work. It was right up front. Didn't you, you? We Very already impressive. heard it. We heard it about six minutes ago. I can't uh. stand to listen to this thing. I don't listen. To <laughs> <laughs> Who listens? Who listens? To this All right, boys. Time for a couple things. Well, here we are. Week three of our three-part series on pedagogy, and yours truly gets to back clean up and enjoy a walk-off. Seriously. <laughs> I will stop this podcast right now. Wow. Oh God. He just that, that hurt. His pedagogy is the walk-off pedagogy. I think we're going to walk to his well, house and beat the crap yeah, out of him. Apparently, okay. whatever happens last is a walk-off. Apparently, that's true. I'm just saying. That's what I thought earned it. Oh, my God. Oh, so seriously, I always jo- enjoy when, when we talk pedagogy, whether it's on the podcast or just hanging out. Nothing makes you a better teacher than having to defend yourself to your friends at every turn. <laughs> so after boring, painful and brilliant Brian's pedagogy, followed by I've given this some thought, Joey's pedagogy. It's my turn with zoomed out and on the money. Bill's pedagogy. <laughs> wow. Picked, who, ca- picked, who came up with that title? <laughs> I I did. I picked this title for my presentation because I Shocking. thought it sounded cool. But in reality, I think it does sum up the way I think about it. I like to work in layers, whether the student knows it or not. And so I stay zoomed out and make multiple zooms in whenever necessary. So I do my best to stay zoomed out until I am forced to, be, to zoom in. And put things in historical context, musical context, the movement, the phrase, the measure, the note, I will stay out as long as I can and only go as far as I need to to accomplish what I need to do because I think that makes it easier for the student to replicate what they're doing. So for example, if someone comes in hammering the Haydn with a 27 pound tongue, what I want to say is I need your teacher's address. But, <laughs> but then you I, realize you are that teacher. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I normally do say is, what do you know about this piece? Right? I start zoomed out. So there are overarching goals, 
And uh, I've made this Venn diagram, which I think will work really great <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> um, How many circles is it? Well, None of them intersect. It's three-dimensional. It's three-dimensional. <laughs> and with arrows. Yes. It's a three-dimensional Venn diagram. It's a Venn flowchart diagram. <laughs> oh, anyway, I tend to be process over product. Um but what I thought I would do today is to do it to kind of because we've all kind of organized our information different ways. Um, I what I want to do is say when someone hears one of my students, these are the things that I want them to notice and in this order. So I, I ultimately I want to teach great musicians who happen to play the trumpet. So when someone hears one of my students, the first thing I want them to say is your students always one play with a beautiful sound. And this is something the three of us have agreed on and presented in different ways. But, right. um, you know, we I love Joey's terminology, which I've stolen because it's it works really well, which is clear and full. Yeah, it's that's great. I also use words like resonant, rich, colorful, consistent. And more recently, I've kind of really got interested in this immediate. I love imme the immediacy of sound. Because I think it indicates that a student has a good vision for what they're trying to do, and it indicates that their setup works really well. Hmm. So immediacy in regard to sound, I mean, look, how long does it take you to know whether you like someone's sound or whether they can play? Less than five seconds. Yeah, yep. <laughs> right? And so yep. it's the first thing we put out there. So in that pursuit, um, obviously, I use the word flow a lot written a bunch of flow studies and a bunch of lyrical etudes to try to get that across. Um, each lesson starts with tone matching, call and response. And ultimately, I, I don't want them to sound like me, but I kind of want them to pass through where I am, maybe, in, in kind of getting to their own identity as a player. Yep. And I do, we do that work in trumpet ensemble as well. You know, yeah, uh, playing for one another, yeah. matching and going back and forth. Um, sound is constantly scrutinized. Uh, it's never in second place, no matter what else is happening in the room, no matter what else the demands of the music are, it's never pushed aside. Um, it's always taught within the context of the music. And I think, always think it's the first thing to get right. Because ultimately, no one cares how fast or high you can play uh, if it sounds bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I'll keep moving my list unless you want to break it down and have questions as we go. We're starting zoomed out. It's your call. All right, awesome. I love we're, to be zoomed out, and then gonna, we can. We're gonna we're gonna keep zooming in as you as you go. All right, cool. The next thing I would want someone to say is your students always display obvious musicianship. So, the first decisions are are that of what's going on in the music. So, from solos to etudes, context is the key to everything. And I was really happy about a year ago. I had a student come in and play auditions at the beginning of the year and Charlie a piece of Charlie a was one of the things they had to play. And I was able to say to this students afterwards, he's you know, like, well, what did you think of my audition? And I said, I have a question for you. Charlie a French or German and the head, <laughs> and the head dropped. <laughs> oh no. Did I do that? Yes, you did. You came in swinging a nine pound sledge, you know, and waving, hammering through through Charlier. So zoom way out. And when you do that, when you I think when you provide that kind of context, you you're always keeping musicianship at the forefront. And that that student zoomed in immediately and knew the checklist of things to fix without me having to give 400 instructions. Right. And so that context is important. And I think that that determines their approach to sound, style, technique and everything. 
Um, the next thing would be your students always have a commitment to the line. Always. And I, what I'm saying is find the line in anything you're playing. And it might be easy and arching. Sure. It might be angular and jagged. You still have to find it. It might be hidden. If there's a lot of grapes on the vine, you know, you have, might have to go digging to figure out what the progression is and what the line is. But there is always a line. Um, and so, like, the Etude book is a reflection of that philosophy, just right. finding the line. Uh, point A to point B is a way to start zoomed out. And then the ability to play a great line is really noticeable and marketable, right? I mean, you, and at any level, I mean, Brian and I are always hearing kids that are coming out of high school. And, Joey, I know you hear that, too. But you also hear advanced students trying to get to you to study with you for grad school. And mm -hmm. how obvious is it? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you and play me a melody? You know? Yeah. Can you yeah. just, can you play the line? You know, because it's, again, you know, there's line in the Gregson trumpet concerto. You got to yep. go, you got to go digging and find it, but there's line in there. Well, this is why I like the bitch etude so much. Absolutely. Is because they are technically and musically demanding. Yes, mm -hmm. they are. Because everybody plays number one, which might be the most accessible, even though it's, you know, musically accessible. But some of those, it's like, no, there's stuff in here. Look, 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 look. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, and check when, this out when you look here and look here, and then look what it does over here. Look what it does over here. Oh. Yeah. And once show they hear, me that. hear that progression and understand that underlying structure, then it's easy to just start hanging pizza and parses. You Can know, I just drop and, something yeah. in here? I Please. just saw an audition list this morning. I was coaching somebody that they want to take an audition. It's happening next week. On the list, Art of Phrasing, number one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. On, Robin, on, Adair. Robin, Robin Adair. On, Robin Adair. On Adair. C trumpet. <laughs> Oh, nice. orchestra audition, yeah, oh. yeah, fancy. So, uh, were they? Was there a transposition indication or they on just C to trumpet? Hear the tune oh, on trumpet in C, yeah, on, as, written, okay. as written, as written on yeah. C. Okay, yep. nice. And then also the the other one was Haydn movements one and two. Right, it was interesting. Cool. First time I've ever seen that. Yeah, I've never Your seen idea that. Of That's, yeah. That is yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, and that I've said is. that for years. Like that tells you what you need to know. Like. <laughs> When I, when I first got to this area and I looked at the trumpet audition list for high school kids for district band, it was like, you're, you're finding the wrong player for the wrong job. <laughs> like, you know, like this is you're doing not, it wrong. In you're totally doing three it wrong. Levels. Like you're testing for the wrong thing because <laughs> normally the kid and not, you know, no offense, Joey, but the kid in high school who can wail up to the E flat and the Haydn is probably not the kid that's going to end up playing the solo in Lincoln Chirposi or shouldn't be. No, hold, hold on a sec. Again, <laughs> there are exceptions no, to the rule you personally, and you're it. <laughs> so I want them to play the beautiful sound, display obvious musicianship, have a commitment to the line, which leads us to show great technical fluency. And I have chosen that word carefully because I love the connection between language and music. I think elegant speakers, um, especially if them a, a nice voice, are compelling. So it's the same thing for me. It translates the same way. And I, I, you know, we know students that because they know all their because they know all their scales, they know all their arpeggios. There's a fluency to their playing, and nothing trips them up. Think about the Beach for variations. Mm -hmm. if, <laughs> if you if you can if you know triads, you can get through that. So what you're you saying know. is you're not looking for the Gilbert Gottfried of trumpet. No, <laughs> no, man, that's a voice. About, like we're wow. about a voice yes. that you want to listen to. The quality of voice you want to listen to, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I zoom, I, 
again, I'm zooming out to understand that it's part of being fluent, right? So find a way to put these issues in context. Technical problems have to be solved, must be solved in a musical context. So yeah. um, I've done a thing this semester, just kind of stumbled on this. And a lot of things are just inspired by students who need a different way to figure it out. So I started to do this thing um, with a student called Timeless Practice. Okay. Sounds great. But let's remove everything. We, we took away time. We took away articulation. We took away rhythms. And we played these sounds in a row. And we found, we, we were able to play all these notes in a row with a great sound. Then right. we're able to understand that there's a line there. There's a linear aspect. And then we start adding them back in. Mm -hmm. Right? Until like finally, oh, I, but the sound never took second place to anything, no matter how hard it goes. So that meant that it might be really slow for a long time. We might not add the met for quite a while, but eventually then it took the shape with all of the, you know, the relationships between notes and Can all I that. Can I interrupt you for just a second? Please. When did metronome become met? I think this is a drum corps thing. Well, yeah. I, you got... I'm in the middle yeah, of marching band season I'm with here, you. so because sorry. I never ever used that term. I've the always met. said metronome, and then students over the past only the yeah. past few years have come in like, well, yeah, I was doing some met practice with this, and it took me like, did you? Oh, they mean metronome. Oh, they mean yeah, metronome. Not like, I didn't I'm, go to the met. Right, they didn't go to the met and watch some opera, because uh, that's a long way to get some practice. Or see done. some. Or see some take art. forever. <laughs> right, you know, it's like wow, six hours just to get through that. I get it, and then everyone dies at the end. That's quite a way to practice. Yeah. <laughs> But when did this, in the evolution of language, this happened pretty fast. It did. It did. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm still well, not quite all the way in and there. Like you just said, put the met. And I'm like, oh, right. He means, I had to actually hitch. Yeah. But that's that's recent, right? Is that just my experience or is that yours as well? No, it's recent. Last four or five years, maybe. I think it's longer than that, honestly. I think it is. Because well, Rowan what, just I mean, got a My back. students didn't uh, didn't understand what it was. Oh really? <laughs> Wait, the device or the, the device. nickname? <laughs> the device. Well, there's no excuse anymore. You used to have to actually no. have to go buy a metronome, but if you have a smartphone, yep. it's it's yeah, an you app have that it with you, you, all you the time. have to have. Yeah. 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 Okay. So sorry, anyway, sorry to No, not at all. It's awesome. So I I remove all those things that could be stumbling blocks and I get back to play these sounds in a row. You know all these sounds. Play them. You you do them in spiders every right. morning. You know, you know all this vocabulary. And then then we start to put it back together. Then we put time in it. We go from timeless practice back to being in time. And of course I never I hardly ever start at the beginning of anything. I try to put find a piece in the middle that really works and then attach to it like Legos, you know, like oh, there's this. <laughs> and then oh there's Oh, there's that. And then, oh, now back up three measures and do this. And then snap, 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 boom, Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> it was just a bunch of... It was, it was just a bunch of pieces, and all of a sudden, you're holding the Millennium Falcon. Right. That's the way yeah. I look at it. So yeah. You're um, saving the entire, you know, uh, universe. Ex exactly, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so building fluency, uh, I think, works best when you sort of cherry-pick those things out that would work really well and get a win, and then just start building one win on top of the other until it fluently goes together. Yeah. 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 All right. And my yeah. last my last thing is that I want people to say that your students always have complete musical ownership. And that is to say that I, I want it to sound like whatever they're playing is in their wheelhouse and they're, you know, and, and ownership by by making it sound easy, not by hammering at five F's 
you know, but by making really good decisions and presenting those flawlessly, like with really good intention. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of this is defining success too. So like getting all the notes right, isn't winning. Hammering isn't winning. Being strong isn't winning. You know, but hold playing on, beautifully. Hold on, wait, wait, back up. What? <laughs> Joey, Joey, now a lot I'm of this is gonna, this is gonna be hard confused. for you to hear some of this. Now I'm confused. But Brian and I decided that you should be here. Pick up the talking pillow. Yeah, is this okay? A, it's is your this turn. A, I need to know this is a safe space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, of course, you guys know because we've talked about this on the show, and I don't need to review this now. But I, I love these lists of things that help get this done. Body center, breathe and flow to get the fundamentals in and work toward linear playing and tone tune touch and time you know those those reminders to say that sound is first and then intonation and all that so um i i use a lot of those sorts of things but this is the this is the stuff that i want to be the takeaway yeah, yeah. that's great stuff okay so let's let's go through because uh, i think number four you actually explained how you do it which is great yeah right so let's let's go back to number one mm -hmm. so you got a kid that comes in freshman year and their sound is just, you know, there's some white noise in there. Right. Now, you can demonstrate. That sounds And really you can familiar. say, I want you to hear, you know, do you hear the difference? But how do you get that? How do you get that result out? Like, how, oh, how far do you need to go in? Like, give me an extreme example of how what the zooming in looks like when you get to sure. sound. So if that's the case, right, we have all the grit. I know there's an aperture issue. I know that things inside the cup aren't right. The worst thing I could do is make a list of stuff they're doing wrong. Right. And so I zoom the whole way out to mouthpiece out of the horn, right? And we're just going to sigh air through the mouthpiece. There's no expectation of a sound at all. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be comfortable just exhaling and getting the body right the body center breathe and flow thing i will peel the whole way back to that remove the idea that they need to be successful with the sound and give them a bunch of positive fundamental things to focus on go right back to this is how your body should be this is this is how you should hold the instrument this is you know this is all basic stuff we need to learn and then ultimately sighing and whispering through the horn you know just easy no expectation of sound and then i'll model that for them to the point where you know, I'll blow through and I'll, I'll like, now this time if it wants to vibrate, I'll let it. But I, I'm not really concerned about that really even until next week, you know. But, but if it vibrates, I'll let it. You know, you should do the same thing. And typically then I can sneak up on that in the context of this big fundamental picture and get that to go right by saying what it should do, not by what it shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. uh, that's great advice. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as soon as you say don't, that's what oh. I hear. <laughs> yeah. Don't for the next ten seconds. Don't think about a red ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Crap. Yeah. It's everywhere. All right. Yeah. So that that's awesome. That's great stuff. All of that. I can see how that Good. would work. I love. Great stuff. I, yeah, that's a great question. So then uh, when, I'm going to go right through in order. So musicianship, right? The next line. Teaching. When we were growing up, yeah, man, we were told very, very clearly, <laughs> you cannot teach musicianship. Right. I was, I mean, I, I, it was very clear. Like, you either have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. how do you teach musicianship when a kid comes through and is just going through, well, I got all the notes in all the right order, so I won, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> one so, music. exactly. <laughs> I won the music. Yeah. And here's how I can play. Yeah. Um, I could point you toward a great book that I think would really help you. <laughs> um, but that was sort of the inspiration for that too, you know. So I there again I think it's a matter of listening. 
It's a matter of listening together because I think we often make assignments to listen. And now I'm willing to pull the recording up and say, what do you hear? Do you notice this? Oh, wasn't that fantastic? Right there. Did you hear that? The way that happened? Then because I think we assume sometimes that they get it and they really don't. But then I will drop back to the things that have always worked for me in this in this particular pursuit. And that's Conconi. Yeah. Not to sell myself, you know, push myself sure. out of the market. But Conconi is beautiful for this. Arbin Art of Phrasing is perfect for this. Um, Getchel, book one, yep. is amazing for this because it has zero markings in it. Yeah. Right. No dynamics, no phrase marks, nothing. Right. And yep. so I, I make it a point to have them draw in all the arches, to draw in the breath marks, to draw the hairpins, all that stuff, because then they're sort of participating at it from another, from multiple levels, the way it looks, the, the shape of it, the way it sounds, all of that goes together to build those elements. And so ultimately to give them a drop down menu that they will start to just call up and choose when they see a piece <laughs> of music in front of them. Yeah. I, those are the, sense. Yeah, those are the things for me. And then, of course, the book, too, is an indication that I'm always trying to influence them with other things. And we all do this. We all we all drop out of we all take a sidebar from them in a minute of in moment of, in a lesson and tell a story. Right. right. Yeah. Or draw draw some analogy. If you play golf. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, you know, it's just nope, like it's golf. Just like that. <laughs> nope. But but you know, we're exactly. we've all been victim of that, but I think we all use it too, right? I mean of course. Gil Gil knew that in, in that moment he had to break that down and talk about it in another way. Sure maybe it didn't land, but Oh, it still landed. It's a great sure. story. <laughs> oh, it's a great story. Yeah. And you obviously, you know. Yeah, because Gil started that with, you can't out. play trumpet that way. <laughs> that's that's, that's oh, how it started. We didn't know that <laughs> yes. part of the story. That's how it started. Like, just across <laughs> the room looking at me confused. Like, you can't play trumpet that way. You can't, <laughs> so, but I've always yeah. done it this way. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I agree with you. This is a hard thing to teach, but I think, um, and it can't be just do it like this and play it. There has to be discussion about it. There has to be collaborative listening. To point, you have to point them to what is cool about things because quite often they don't know. How many times have you said, What recording are you listening to? And they're like, Oh, the first one that came up. Or, yes, <laughs> this is always, this is, this is my pet peeve right now. Yeah. Like, I just put it in YouTube and hit play. I'm like, Nope, nope. <laughs> I need to know who is the soloist. Yes. And so. then next level, why? Yeah. Why did you pick Juliano Summerholder's recording? right over mm -hmm. phil smith's or whatever it happens to be what is your reason it's okay that you picked that right why i need to know what you're hearing or what you're listening to so i think you you could this is one of those ones where you could come at it from behind the horn but i think they need to step away from the horn and come at it from outside of it and so whether it's influenced by that discussion or by the poetry or by the story or the analogy or whatever it is all those things sometimes are needed to build that right now that kind of leads us into line because mm -hmm. a lot of people might be thinking, well, isn't that just the same thing? Yeah. But no, no, it's not, right? It's now, musicality not. is the big picture, but line is, show me what's happening, right? Yes. Yeah, line indicates, it's like, you know, someone who understands how to deliver a line in a, in a theater production, in a play, or on the news, whatever it happens to be, right? Mm -hmm. You know the old, what's that in the road? A head? 
Um, What's that in the road ahead? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so understanding that, yeah, that is musicianship, but it's, it's, it's another part of it too, because it's my link to the next thing, which is the technical fluency thing, Mm -hmm. because being able to play the line indicates a consistency of tone. It's tying all of it together, right? So there's no breaks in the sound. It's very, very fluid. Um, and it shows a deeper level of understanding to the structure of music. Sure, right. But I want to get a li- I want you to get in even a little more than that. Oh, sure. Because sometimes that line, as you you said, as you were describing, mm-hmm. can be obscured. Right. Right. I mean, I think that the mo- the most obvious example, and I can't believe I'm about to say this on this podcast, oh, are no. cornet solos. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right. If we, if, we, if we look at cornet solos, they usually start, there's an introduction, but usually right. then there's the melody. Just stark and just give me the melody. And that's pretty, that's a, a simple concept. Can right. you play that music? Now, then the variations. Variations, yep. Essentially, in a, in a musical way, can obscure that line, but right. those solos played well are a great example of no matter no matter what you put on top of it, all of that extra stuff, mm-hmm. I still need to hear that line. Exactly. Right? That's kind of the the simple version of explaining that. Am I on the right track here? Absolutely. And oh, I think yeah. that's yeah. Those are the perfect example of of something where you have to go in and do this. But then what I'm saying is that that's a great practice field for that, right? Mm-hmm. But then moving that to something like Gregson, for right. example, which is something angular and jagged that I'm thinking of, or the Beach for variations, whatever you want right. to think about. I was just right. working on Shane's this morning with a new grad student. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and he's saying, God, I like this. This is kind of cool. And he's playing it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, no. but this is going to here, and this is going to here, and I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Ah, right. right. We're not just playing all the right notes in all the right order. Yeah, and sometimes, so like I'm thinking, I don't know why Gregson's on the mind, maybe because of that tuba thing, but there's that, he writes that 12-tone row about halfway down the second page of the first movement. And so that's a place where I will literally fill in notes. I'll I'll just make it a continuous contour, you know, of filling in either chromatically or diatonically or whatever, and then I'll go back through and take those out, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to build that sense of line when it's really jagged. By the way, I say Shane's as well, but I've heard people say Shen. Oh, I don't, I don't know if, what the proper pronunciation is. It's For one of those years, things like Bame, I, I learned it as Shane's, and yeah. that's just the way I say it. That is more. It doesn't mean that it's right. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 so, I like the adding in the notes. One of the things I've actually done with students, someone to think of this, is if, especially if they're angular lines, is gliss between notes to make sure they stay connected. Mm. Like right. that. Same concept. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want you to know that these notes are connected, even though they're you know a sixth, an octave, a ninth right. apart. Same yeah. idea. Yes. I also. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I'll go to the the bread tie, the twist tie thing, and displace the mouthpiece so that you, right? You have to fight that resistance. <laughs> Please through. tell people what you're talking about. They, yeah, everybody might so, not know exactly what you mean. This as, is a that. cool technique. Yeah. Yeah. So what I often do is I'll have the, the student pull the mouthpiece out, and they'll take a twist tie, which a lot of my students just keep wrapped around the first brace on the horn, right at the top of the lead pipe. Um, and you fold that down in and set the mouthpiece in, which displaces it just enough that your valves still work, 
but the partials get really messy and soft (laughs) (laughs) and you're sort of buzzing but you're kind of playing and it's a it's a really cool place to be and it it does wonders to draw the embouchure into place in in a really good way and to get students to realize how close things are on the horn and that's a reality of playing the line too is keeping it small keeping it close can you talk about in the same it's just the same context can you talk about your note grouping idea yeah so that that's uh that that crosses over too between the line of technical fluency so i'm i'm constantly looking no matter what it is i'm looking for ways to break up big chunks into small chunks it's the lego thing again like Mm -hmm. Yes, everyone sees that ultimately it will be the Millennium Falcon. But in between there, you have to get to this place where you start to divide up lines. And sometimes you could divide it melodically, harmonically. You could divide it because all those notes have the same fingering. So you could divide it according to the overtone series. So my music has a lot of, my students' music has a lot of vertical slashes through things. If it's a sextuplet, it's never a sextuplet. It's, it's, two triplets or it's three sets of two <laughs> yeah it's never a septuplet it's usually three plus four or three plus two plus two depending on what key it's in and you you also do this like it's it's idiomatic to how the instrument works mm-hmm. like you're taking out the the spastic quality of these really angular lines and you're saying no look this is just a third here this is a major triad here no matter how it's written Right. I'm again making it small and making it linear, no matter what it looks like, yep. which is a, a complete other aspect that I, you know, that we have to work around in this finding the line is that ledger lines, whether they're above mm-hmm. or below the staff, make people do crazy things, you know, yeah. grip the horn differently, kind of lunge at notes and grab handfuls of notes. And all this, again, is make just to make the crooked straight, make it all look like you're just doing a trill on a second line G. <laughs> right. Yeah, which is another totally. way. Yeah, no, An- another way that I approach it too. So I have something right. that sort of centers around around the middle of the staff. I'll have them just play da 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 da, da <laughs> you know, yeah, CD, 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 the whole way through, and then maybe then we'll add a note. Well, all right, now we're gonna add this on this time through. But again, to tie it to a center, just like we do with spiders, right? You're trying to tie everything to that, right. that first note. Yeah, I'm sorry, Joe, you were going to say talk no, about No, so that I mean, when we we covered a lot of the, the fluency part. So then how do you how do you get students to take ownership? Like cuz you want that ownership over it. How do you get them to that place where they feel confident enough of saying, mm-hmm. "I've done this. I I I I, I this is me and I have, this is how I sound. This is how I believe this goes." Yeah. So I think that's the culminating thing. I think all of these other things feed into that because musical ownership to me is based on confidence, right? So if they're confident and they're well rehearsed in, into the things that we've talked about and, and the decisions that they made and they're confident in their decisions, then they can replicate that over and over again. And I think that's the, that's the place. So this is where, you know, you first learn a piece and I, and I, I know, Brian, you don't like the primer, but I do the primer. So we're <laughs> super zoomed out and then imagine an hourglass, right? And then you just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to the details. And then you start to put that back together and that hourglass goes out again at the bottom mm-hmm. and you start to put those bigger chunks together to where it all fits. It's that zooming out, zooming the whole way in and zooming back out again gives them confidence to understand how it fits together. Um, And and I'll I'll even diagram this out because, you know, I'm a Joey loves this. I'm a visual learner, you know, so, you know, uh, (laughs) 
big, big arch. And then underneath that, each movement is an arch. And then underneath each of those, each movement has three sections or two sections or whatever. And then you can get into phrases and then you just glue it all back together again when you're done. Your wagger is showing. I have you. Yeah. We've used the word chunks a lot discussing pedagogy. We've yes, chunks are that, amazing. That word has come up a lot. Yeah, well, this is a that's this is a talent code thing, right? Like chunking right. information, you yeah. know, like taking big things and breaking them into small pieces. Yeah. I think I've told the story before about jazz player friend of mine who cranks out these. All of his students can improvise like crazy, and you always know you're like, oh, I know where that kid goes to school, mm -hmm. right? And I said to him one time, I'm like, how is this? You're so consistent, like across the board. What, how are you teaching this stuff? And he said to me, man, it's just about making it small. <laughs> you got to make everything small. So like a kid first starts, starts out learning the, he's a tenor player. So he's got his hands in the air flailing around like the F sharp mixadora Lydian scale, you know, like <laughs> the first day is like, bam, 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 bam. But eventually it just gets to the point where their fingers are barely moving because they know it so well. Yeah. So I love that concept too, taking yeah. these things and making them small. So it's a, the musical ownership for me is a confidence that they're confident they can play it. They're confident about their decisions and they can replicate it. Yeah. But somehow sometimes building that confidence into students, we've talked about this uh, several times before. So many times we're looking at our students going, you can already do this. And the students are looking at us going, I can't do this. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you know they can do it. Right, so getting that confidence to them is sometimes yeah. the hard part. Yeah, I've said uh, to one student in particular, I've said this many times, which is there are two of us in this room and one of us believes you can do this. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like I've sat here with students going, I don't know why you have so many doubts. I have no doubts about your ability to pull this right. off. Well, you know, our, our trombone professor here, uh, I've, I've, I've watched John teach a few times. He's a really great guy makes a beautiful sound on the trombone um he's got a great background in teaching elementary music so he was doing a clinic for some of our grad students a couple summers ago and he said you know sometimes you just got to catch them doing it right <laughs> i was like oh my gosh i've never verbalized it before but that's a huge thing totally. we're always looking for stuff to fix but there's something about being and i i now i just take to doing the student to play for me and i don't have anything to say because it was exactly right and i get real quiet and i'll go you know I, I, you should just do that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if I could do that, that's what I would do. Uh, I actually, uh, when that happens, <laughs> right. I, say, I immediately say, that was great, do that again. Uh, and then I'll say something like, in the words of great teachers everywhere, just do that. Just do that. <laughs> yeah, right. you, I don't need to be standing here. You should just do that. Yeah. 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 So to, now to zoom out on this, I think, you know, one of the things that Keith always said was, look, don't get me wrong. I love to hear from my students, but uh, I think I, I've done my job when I don't have to hear from you. Right. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. and, and you know, we're all after this in our teaching that you want to put these things in place and give them a process that is, you know, defined or inspired by musicianship and inspired by the bigger picture so that they're not thought of as a trumpet player, but as a musician who happens to play the trumpet. And we give them these skills so that they can replicate it on their own. They shouldn't need to come to us all well, the time well not only that I, I think we're trying to build colleagues not students yeah <laughs> you know yeah, i like that yeah. yeah i want people to come out to, then we can go do this and talk about this because you're doing your version yeah, yeah. and it's cool right like yeah. I've, in the area here I, I bump into former students all the time who are teaching or playing or whatever and they, you know you show up somewhere and it's like oh man this is so cool absolutely <laughs> you know? yeah and years ago when i did the recording and i had 
trumpet uh, trumpet majors from here from over a 24-year period came back and played on that recording. Right. Like, from recent grads right. the whole way through. And we started and to do some... Now that you've been teaching like 100 years, imagine. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's so it's easy to come up with that kind of <laughs> well, number. Well, it'd be easy with all your students being retired now. <laughs> <laughs> some of their long, stu- illustrious careers. Some of their children are retired. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was so funny, you know, because there was this... There was this you know, similarity in approach. And there was mm-hmm. this, you know, we, we all agreed on kind of what this was going to be and what it was going to sound like. And it was just really cool, you know, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Which is, that's the great part of this, right. Getting someone to the point where these things show up because right. ultimately, right. That's the way I think about it. Right. If you, and you know, this like, and you know, if, if someone hears one of your students play and you go, yeah, like that's, I, and I, people have said this, I know that kid studies with you. Yeah. I know I know she studies with you. I know he I know he's one of your students. Whatever. You know, which is you know, for a second you go, Oh no. Oh what did they do? <laughs> <laughs> what did they do wrong? Yeah. Well but, that uh, happened to me in eighth grade. I went to youth orchestra auditions. And uh I went and auditioned <laughs> and the, the orchestra director, because it was mostly a high school group and but I was there to audition and he says, Well, uh oh, how, how's your range? Can you play a high C? And I said, Sure. Just play me high C. And I played a high C. And he says, you study with Bernie, don't you? <laughs> and I said, I, I do. He goes, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I would say the same thing about uh, my colleague here, Melanie Miller. You guys, I think, have met Melanie, but I don't know if you've really ever been around her, heard her play at all. No. But her students, gorgeous sound, fundamentally right down Main Street. Nothing yep. is, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just all, she is a amazing way of just putting all that together and you can tell like you study with melanie don't you yeah, yeah. didn't didn't i send next to her this summer yeah you did yeah, yeah the concert band she plays great she sounds she really great does. on everything there yep. you go yep she kind of holds everything together back there so. yes yeah, she does <laughs> she's it well that was a lot less painless than i thought i thought you guys were really going to come after me a lot less painless you mean less a lot painful. less painful okay. a more painless than i thought no. it was going to oh be oh my don't make me go over there <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, all these things are true about about your teaching, but also true about what your students come out with. Right. And it is a these are all hallmarks of what your students do. Um, it's evident every time I hear one of your students, I'm like, oh man, it'd be really nice if more well, students did that. That's <laughs> nice. That's the goal, right? And then, yeah. so and then we I send them on to Joey, and then he goes, all right. Um, Who taught you to do don't that? Don't think about any of that stuff. <laughs> 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 let's do. Let's just think about this instead. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, I have a student now who studied with Brian and, and mm-hmm. boom, set up. It's right, right. there. Yeah. You know, it works. And I, I you know, you, you trust that. So. All right, boys. Time for no offense. Hey, look, playing the trumpet is fun, but that doesn't mean you're making music. Operating the trumpet machine well is part of the process. Spend a little more time zoomed out to consider your place in the world and use that context to be better, more considerate, more elegant musician. Anything short of that is just hammering, in which case you're doing it wrong. <laughs> he didn't talk about articulation at all. Not once. He's, no, just he, so did, he talked three times about removing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I did suggest that eventually you put it back in. Yeah, but, you glossed you over know, that part. I just yeah. glossed over it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there, are way, like... there are way too many hammerheads out there, though. Oh, there are man. way too many people who just think, hey, listen, if I play hard enough and I kind of get it in the ballpark, <laughs> then I must be good. Yeah. And they just don't realize how wrong they are 
from just their concept, their overarching concept, all the way down to the way they play. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hear more tongue than tone. Right. I, right. I want to, you, you have beautiful sound. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. I had a student come audition for me years ago and was playing the canon and said, yeah, my teacher told me to play this from beginning to end as loud as I could and to tongue it as hard as I could the whole way through, and that was the best way to learn it. I'm going to need Loom your teacher's phone number. I'm going to need the address. <laughs> yeah, we're, going, we're, we're going right out there. Because we're going to go there yeah. right now. You know, Beat them with their trumpet. Exactly. Well, that, that brings that series to a close, boys. Our wow, three-part yes. series All on right. pedagogy. And now we can move on to other things that are just we're just dying to get to. Absolutely. But that should about do it for today. Stay tuned. Tell your friends and neighbors. Zoom out and be on the money. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.